0: Hello and welcome to A Dog's World Podcast, where we discuss sourcing a responsibly bred puppy or dog and the steps that go into place to make it so. Numerous people sought out to welcome a furry companion into their life due to the social isolation caused by the COVID-19 pandemic, with many people succumbing to scams online, handing over money with no puppy in return. Some fell in the hands of unethical and irresponsible dog breeders, like backyard breeders and puppy farms and mills. In this special 3 part episode series, we take a look at the Australian National Kennel Council, the ANKC, as an ethical, reputable and responsible organisation for someone to source a puppy from. The ANKC is a private non-government body club that is managed by everyday ordinary people who love their dogs and their goal is to improve the quality of breeding and the health of dogs in general. Episode 2 delves into the level of care and commitment that ANKC breeders go through to produce healthy and genetically sound puppies. We are joined today by Lisa Wallace. Lisa, a big welcome to the Dog's World Podcast. Lisa, tell us about yourself and your involvement with the Australian National General Council. My name
1: is Lisa Wallace. Um, we've been ANKC members since 1982 under the kennel prefix of now starring Rottweilers Australia and we have focused exclusively on Rottweilers for the past 38 years and more recently in the last 12 months we've introduced mini long hair and mini smooth Dachshunds to our fold due to my age and getting too old for a large breed dog.
0: Lisa, often terms like health and DNA tested are a little confusing for newcomers to the dog world, or perhaps first-time dog owners. What does a health-tested dog mean, and what does a non-health-tested dog mean? A health-tested dog
1: is a dog that has undergone a series of medical in- inspections and examinations. Depending on the breed, there is different afflictions that affect each different breed. Some breeds are more prone to other health to health issues than others. And some bloodlines even carry um, health issues. But to the naked eye, these are undetectable. So the development of health testing schemes and paperwork as such was a necessity due to um, a consumer that might be purchasing being able to visually see the certification and the testing procedures had been completed and done and that the results were available in writing to back that up. Now, this also couples into the fact that you must clearly identify the dog that is being um, assessed. So, hence, microchipping came into play. Prior to microchipping, we had tattooing, and each and every um, puppy that was born by an ethical breeder was identified from birth by a tattoo, um, which has evolved now to a microchip. That carries through with the dog's lifetime, and it can clearly identify that particular dog as being the one presented for the test by a vet. So, health-tested animals that have quite a portfolio of certification to go along with it can be clearly cross-checked against that particular animal by now these days by their microchip. So if you were to look to buying a baby puppy from a breeder, the breeder should
0: very clearly have a raft of different certifications that go with
1: that animal that have been clear and um, assessed prior to breeding and you would then have a very clear indication of any health issues that may arise prior to being bred from so potentially hips if they didn't have an adequate score less than a combined dog and bitch of 20 then that would be considered to be outside the realms of safe breeding with good health testing procedures being in place prior to that and more importantly things like J. PP, if you don't know the status of a breeding animal prior to breeding, if you're not aware that that animal is a carrier and you... Breed unknowingly to another carrier, you are knowingly producing affected animals. So it is vitally important that these test results are not only conducted but are scored and resulted by the appropriate veterinary authorities to give you a clear status and that they're clearly identified on that paperwork that they belong to the particular animal that's being
0: um, potentially used
1: in a breeding program.
0: Lisa, what involvement did you have in the development of a National Rottweiler Council Australia breeding scheme?
1: So when we commenced in 1980s, there was known issues with hips and elbows, but there was no known schemes that were formulated or participating in at that time. So in the very early days, we merely had hips x rayed around Generally, they're after 18 months of age. As breeders ourselves, we choose to do our dogs later to get an adult reading. We do our dogs generally at two to three years of age. We x-rayed the dogs in those days under complete anaesthesia, hips and elbows, and we sent them off to a what we called a reader at the time, and he would merely view the um, hips and elbows and grade them on a certificate saying that they were either normal, near normal, or not normal, and that was our grading. Same as elbows, normal or near normal, or not normal. We then realised that there was a British Veterinary Association scoring scheme that actually allocates a number to a criteria that's set down of 12 breakdowns of different areas of the hips to left and right as well, to then identify where the actual problem was, if there was a problem, and the score would reiterate that via the criteria, so we could start. They have it break it down by reader: um, Norberg angle, subluxation, cranial acetabular edge, cranial fossa edge, so on and so forth. And the scores would be allocated left and right, to give you a total at bottom. So we adopted the BVA scheme, brought that into the early Rottweiler clubs in the various states. At that stage, we did not have a national Rottweiler council. And we then moved animals to being scored and ideally to participate in the scheme to gain um, the idea of what their status was prior to them being bred to make suitable choices for producing healthier animals. The same thing applied with the elbows. Um, In regards to hips, we have a cutoff of no more than 20 total for both combined sire and dam of the prospective litter. So if you have a an individual dog that scores say a an eight you could use a partner up to a maximum of 12. Now, With the scoring schemes there is a total maximum score of 106 which is made up of 53 on either hip so left and right hip and obviously in hip dysplasia the lower the score the better. In elbows they have three gradings of zero one Two and three, and more recently, a borderline grading coming into it as well. With the National Rock Polo Council. We have no current firm guidelines, but the recommendations are that we breed only from uh, progeny that are zero, grade zero, or grade one, and a breed with caution on any grade twos. They are also split left and right elbow. So personally, as a breeder, we only breed from grade zeros or grade zero with a one as a maximum, and we only use partners that are grade zero or grade one and then the Iron Mouse certificates came into play very early or late in the 80s when we were having Rottweiler only or Rottweiler specialist shows and our judges would be critiquing each individual dog in writing. It became known that there was a known issue with not just Entropian eye, but Ectropian eye. Entropian eye is where the eyelid rolls inwards and the eyelashes scratch and debilitate the eyeball. So it's quite a debilitating um, affliction for dogs and it can lead to some serious health issues for them. And Ectropian is where the bottom eyelid rolls inwards and outwards and also scratches the eye as well. Eyes of dissimilar colour were creeping into the breed so the eye development of the eye scheme came into play we created a simple form that the dog was presented to the vet with the forms and the vet would ascertain the dog's status of the eyes on a veterinary inspection and then with the mouth same thing we developed a mouth certificate to clearly state whether the dog had a scissor bite a wry mouth an overshot and undershot bite and whether they in fact had 42 teeth correctly placed and correct occlusion if they didn't that meant that that animal could potentially reproduce with these faults. So it then developed an we put this into play in the Rottweiler clubs to have members must abide by these minimal tests for breeding. Again, that was only at club level, not at ANKC level whatsoever. And then it became quite clear that we could register animals in the development register of the National Rottweiler, or what became the National Rottweiler Council, and hold all these information and re- uh, results on file as a reference point for other breeders to be able to review and selecting potential breeding partners. So that's sort of how that did. In the last two years, we have also added in a test scheme for a known genetic issue via DNA that is called juvenile laryngeal paralysis polyneuropathy, which is shortened to JLPP. It is a recently discovered serious defect in our breed that affects young baby puppies, juveniles up to the age of or from the age of 10 weeks to roughly six months of age and this affliction is caused by a known carrier being bred to a known carrier which will produce affected puppies affected puppies uh, have no long-term longevity of life they are severely impacted and are generally euthanized by six months at the latest Quite a debilitating disease. So, that DNA test is done on all breeding stock prior to breeding to ascertain their status, regardless of whether they're considered clear by parentage or not. So, each individual animal will hold their own certification for hips, elbows, eyes, mouth, and JLPP prior to them being eligible to be bred from under the National Rottweiler Council Code of Ethics Scheme.
0: Moving on now to a controversial or a so called myth, Lisa, can you debunk whether or not crossbred dogs are healthier than purebred dogs? Absolutely. So
1: from a well known gardener on TV in, in the early 80s and 90s, and we all know who that was. um It was on one particular, and I have participated in many of those um, programs with our dogs as well, promoting purebred dogs. The um, misnomer that was brought out in that time was the discussions around hybrid vigour. Hybrid vigour in crossbred dogs is an unknown quantity it's an assumption that's made that a dog that is not closely related or uh, has any close ties in blood relations has better hybrid vigor absolutely debunked in that a crossbred dog their health status is generally unknown their genetic makeup or their pedigree if you like to say or their genealogy is largely unknown and they're generally a mixture Um, of unidentified parentage. So when you can't identify parentage, you can't identify genealogy, you can't identify if there's any health issues that have been cursing through those bloodlines and through that genealogy. So without a a registration pedigree um, that is recognised and identified, you don't know what's behind them in parentage, and what health issues those parentages may carry. And without health testing on each individual animal that's included in any breeding or genetic pool, you have an unknown quantity of the health um, issues that may be behind them. As for hybrid vigour, We don't line breed or closely line breed any longer. We have in the past, as breeders myself, the closest we've ever gone was grandfather to granddaughter, but that was with all health tested animals as well. So we're clearly aware of their health status. We're clearly aware of any issues that may have arisen in past um, generations that we would have eradicated from any breed pool.
0: But crossbreeds, you don't know who they're from. You don't know what health issues they carry But more so that the breeds Different breeds
1: have different health issues And you can compound those issues By combining one breed with another breed That may have massive health issues um, Large breeds are predominantly known As having a higher incidence of hip dysplasia And elbow dysplasia for instance But in these smaller breeds Or other breeds um, such as Doberman's You have Von Willebrand's disease Which is a blood disorder If you unknowingly bred those animals To other untested animals or other crossbreeds you could compounding those issues unknowingly so it is vitally important that even crossbreeds such as your oodles of oodles that they are health tested prior to breeding from them to ascertain their health status knowing what afflictions affect which breeds, even if they're a part of that breed? So, say a uh, Cavoodles, Cavalier, King Charles Spaniels, or Cavalier have uh, another raft of health issues. I think it's a stringia, don't quote me on that name. It's a brain space issue in their skull, where if there's a, a excessive extremism of the skull, the brain is. Uh, compressed and it can cause genetic issues of brain abnormalities if you were to cross that type of an issue unknowingly to a poodle that has slipping patellas perhaps you're not going to get one or the other you're going to get both so that cavoodle could have both astringia and um slipping patellas And if you then go on breed on from those lines without testing for those particular health issues, you're compounding that and compounding it. So an unknown consumer would be purchasing what they think is a healthy puppy. With no health tested parents, you've got no idea whether that is actually the case.
0: I also spoke to canine genealogist Claire Wade, and here's what she had to say
2: whether crossbred dogs are healthier than purebred dogs. And I think the answer to that is it's not really very simple because there are obviously some crossbred dogs that are healthier than some purebred dogs. And there are probably some purebred dogs that are healthier than some crossbred dogs. Um, In from a genetics viewpoint, if you cross together two different breed for the first time then what you're essentially doing is you're bringing together um, one chromosome from the mum dog and one chromosome from the dad dog and those chromosomes are unlikely to be the same because they've come from different dog breeds. Why that's important is if you bring together chromosomes that are the same from mum and from dad then there's a possibility that sometimes you will see genetic Diseases that are caused by what are called recessive genes, which means that you have to get them from both parents for them to be expressed. And so we know that if dogs are crossed for the first time, then there's a lower current of recessive disorders that must be inherited from both parents. It just really can't happen in a first cross situation for rarer disorders that are breed specific. However, there are quite a lot of genetic disorders that have that recessive inheritance that are not just present in a single breed, they're present in lots of breeds. And so crossing together breeds, if the disorders are common, um, doesn't really help you at all. It does also doesn't really help you at all if you're talking about um, problems in dogs that are caused by many, many different genes because um, oftentimes those problems, just like in humans, we have um, heart disease and cancer and diabetes. These are all things that are caused by not just one gene. They're caused by many, many different genes. And so it doesn't really matter where mum and dad have come from in the dog population. You can't really control the expression of those complex disorders. There are some complex diseases where there might be an enrichment for the problem causing genes in certain families of dogs. And crossbreeding might help you there as well, but um, it's not guaranteed with complex diseases. I guess the other thing that's worth saying is that people shouldn't always, people often think that crossbred dogs have hybrid vigour and that might be true, but one should always be careful about how crossbred the dog is because you can have a dog that is designer dog where it might be a golden doodle or a labradoodle, where they've crossed together either a golden retriever with a poodle or a labrador with a poodle or any other kind of breed with a poodle, which is the common thing to do. That's okay for the first cross. But oftentimes when people sell these animals, they're not really clear about whether it is really a first cross because they're a breeder of these designer breed. Then very possibly they might choose to breed two Labradoodles together and that's genetically very different than breeding together two different breeds. And what's more, quite possible, it's just as possible for people to breed together father and daughter or mother and son or brother and sister in um, a designer dog situation as it is in a pure breeding situation. For dogs that are born in, as a part of the registration process in Australia, we have the Australian National Kennel Council. For breeders that breed with within the code of ethics of that organisation, so they're normally the people that are breeding purebred dogs, those people have to adhere to a code of ethics which says that they cannot perform mating between first degree relative for those dogs. So that means they're not able to register progeny that come from a father to daughter mating, a mother to son mating, or a brother to sister mating. So when you buy your dog from an Australian National Kennel Council breeder, what you can be sure of is that you're not getting a puppy that's been inbred to that level.
0: Apart from health, the temperament of a dog is also incredibly important and it's not something that's considered by unethical breeders, what do you think ANKC registered breeders do in terms of temperament?
1: For our breeds, usually we have a very bad portrayal in the media. Have done for decades, um, but in other breeds as well, it's vitally important. Temperament is a major issue. People um, have animals in their care; they must be of sound temperament to be a social animal, to be a well-respected member of a family, to suit the lifestyle of the family that they live in, but also to not be a, an obnoxious social member in society or in a backyard, for that matter, either. Temperament in each breed varies is greatly Breeds have hallmarks as to why their temperament is supposed to be the way that they are. And without any assessment of that by an independent assessor, you have no idea as to whether they hold correct temperament or not. There is nothing worse than um, any breed of dog having an incorrect temperament for its breed. It is a hallmark of their breed. The reason why uh, temperament is so high on the agenda is because without that temperament, they lose all their attributes as pertaining to the particular breed that they're representing. So in our breed, if we have poor temperament, um, you can imagine that a Rottweiler could be very lethal with an incorrect temperament. Um, He is a large breed dog. He is a guarding breed. So he's often misrepresented by his temperament as well. However, he also must be aloof and biddable with children. So the dog that lives at home in the family home must not only be stable, sound, and happy with his family members, but... If the owners or the family was put under any stress or duress, he would be a guard dog straight away. However, an untrained dog with a poor temperament would not be able to be recalled into the correct uh, temperament status that we would like him to be in. The same as perhaps a Labrador. A Labrador that doesn't like swimming hasn't got correct temperament because a Labrador is the dog breed that actually is bred to swim. So if his temperament is incorrect and he's fearful or he's uh, withdrawn or he's aloof and doesn't like to go swimming, that's not a gun dog. Same as a chihuahua, even little yappy little things that we generally know. A well bred chihuahua has an accurate temperament. That he yes, he is a little bit yappy at times, but he's also the little cuddle snug dog that loves to be with his owner. Um, afghans they're not a dog that's going to uh, go out and guard your property. They're a very aloof dog, and yet he could work all day in the desert, but a Rottweiler could not work all day in the desert. When it comes to aligning that with temperament, if a Rottweiler is out herding the cows through the Alps in the snow all day, he has to have the mental ability to be able to sustain that work day in, day out herding pushing those cows over the out then he gets to the market his mental ability has to cope with the market atmosphere lots of people lots of people moving around he needs to be biddable he can't be a guard dog in that situation and yet when they hook the butcher's cart up to him put the slaughtered meat into the back of it and then put the gold in the pouch around his neck he's now committing a role that needs to guard that gold that he's been placed in care of and then have the mental uh, stamina to be able to pull that butcher's cart back to the country back over the Roman Alps where they came from originally these are all very important temperament things that each individual breed has a proper temperament assessment when you crossbreed breed dog you're not knowing what you're going to get in temperament so we'll take a groodle for instance a golden retriever and a poodle totally different temperament one is a very much a family dog and very reserved and very kind and stable the golden retriever the poodle very aloof very attractive dog with a very alert statement of temperament those two breeds together are chalk and cheese so what are you going to get when you crossbreed that you don't know because it's an unknown quantity whereas if you were to stick with a pure golden retriever you would have that known quantity of what their temperament will be when you're talking of poor temperaments in dogs we see more poor temperament than we do correct temperament and that's generally because the dogs have not been socially interactive correctly or more importantly not correctly raised by an ethical breeder that would expose those dogs to different um, social settings or different Stressful environments to see what their true temperament makeup was, and then to take that on board for ongoing rehabilitation or remedial training for those animals. Dog is of true temperament, he should accept all those different environments if he has been introduced to life correctly from an
0: ethical breeder. A special thanks to Lisa Wallace and Claire Way for joining us. That's all we have for this episode, stay tuned for our third and final episode where we look at the difference between ANKC registered breeders, backyard breeders and puppy mills and farms, highlighting the importance of ANKC certified pedigree papers and the different type of dogs people can acquire. This is your host Ozzy, signing out.